Welcome to the Networking for the People podcast series. If you're looking for guidance on NFTs, you've come to the wrong place. But stick around anyway, as we figure out what our friends are up to, why they are doing what they do, and how they ended up getting there in the first place. I'm Robert. Welcome to NFTP. Today, we're joined by Toby Stein, currently living in DC. He's lived in quite a few places, traveled to many others for work and play, and makes sure his presence is felt in the room. After studying civil engineering, yet working largely in the consulting space over his school summers, he continued those summer endeavors as has been a telecom, media, and technology, or TMT, consultant for the last four years. He's always looking for a new place to explore and learn about, and we're happy to have Toby here. Toby, welcome to the show. Thanks, Robert. Excited to be here. So who are you and what do you do? I mean, I, I feel like you've you've given me quite the illustrious introduction, but uh, yep, my name's Toby Stein. I'm a tech media and telecom consultant for currently Altman Solon, um, based currently remotely in Washington, D.C., but historically a combination of the Boston and New York offices. That's great. So you, I know, have had the experience in the Boston office extensively before now. Working remotely largely from D.C. must be nice. Escape some of the Boston winter snow, especially recently yeah uh <laughs> I, I i'm i'm not too uh i'm not too envious of the what 36 inches that you guys have gotten this weekend um i think we got about one and a half down here in dc so so no complaints on that but i do miss uh, a combination of my friends who who have been i know snow plowing all weekend taking a step back and figuring out what you were doing in the boston office you moved to boston after graduating from cooper with your master's in civil engineering degree and kicked off your role mm -hmm. in the consulting industry as a TMT consultant. So did you know what TMT consulting was before, you know, you started on your journey? Yeah, it, it's, it's a good question. So I, I'd say that I, I loosely knew what TMT was. And as part of my sort of preparation for the interview, I made sure to do a bunch of the research. Um, and we can get into a bit later what some of that interview prep looked like. But uh, I would certainly say that I was far from an expert when I joined. I would also say that I'm far from an expert now. Um, so if anything, I, I knew what it meant to be a consultant. And I loosely knew what, uh, what TMT entailed. But putting them together has been sort of what I've been doing, or at least trying to do over the course of the past, call it three and a half years or so. Yeah, you know, part of a goal in their podcast is to convince people that we know what we're doing, or at least play the <laughs> yeah, role, right? Exactly. And I think part of the interview process is convincing other people, giving them the confidence or giving them confidence in you to say, hey, I can do this job. Yes, it's an entry level job, it's my first full time job. But, you know, the interview process can be stressful, sweat inducing and difficult for anyone, especially starting off. Oh, yeah. Um, would you mind walking me through this, the full time interview process? Because I know you had the experience yeah. for internships, but I was wondering if you can give me kind of the end to end from your application process to your first step in the office. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll, I'll say that the process actually looks pretty similar for full-times and interns, but I can speak to the, the one I went through, which is the full-time application process. So it was probably uh, early September of my senior year at Cooper, and I knew that I was looking for a smaller consultancy than the one that I had inter interned with the summer of my junior year. What was then Altman Valandrian Company sort of was high on my list. I had reached out to one of the, uh, one of the alums from Cooper, 
um, who I knew was at the firm, and I spoke to him a bit about his experiences and what the interview process would look like. I, I applied online and I sort of put together a nice package of my resume, selling myself on sort of, hey, I have a background in engineering, but I think I can problem solve just as, as much as the best of them can. And a cover letter, sent that through, and then I was invited to first round of interviews. The first round of interviews consisted of two phone calls, each about 45 minutes each, um, which was predominantly a in consulting, we, we interview with a, a case interview, mm -hmm. and largely it's walking through a business problem with someone in real time. And so they'll sort of, it, it's the classic questions that you've heard of um, from the sort of old Google interviews um, of the like, oh, how many ping pong balls are in a Boeing 747? That kind Every of thing. questions, you gotta love them. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, these ones, I'd say, have a bit more of sort of a TMT slant. So it might be, oh, hey, um, Amazon, after acquiring Whole Foods, is thinking about getting into the meal kit delivery space. Mm -hmm. Let's sort of break that market down. And do we think that's a good idea or a bad idea? So it's two of these conversations back to back um, with folks. What was then on, on a phone call? Um, now those are conducted over Zoom. And then uh, that was the first round. After the first round, I made it on to the final round, which was uh, a super day. And so I flew up to Boston. I remember it so distinctly. I, I landed <laughs> late Friday night. I checked into my hotel room. Um, I know exactly where I was staying. I was staying right off of Faneuil Hall. When I lived in Boston, every time I would walk by that area, I would always look up to the little balcony um, of the hotel room that I stayed in. And I, I remember that night so, so clearly. Give it, give and it then a woke up as you look at the window. <laughs> exactly. Just a, a little memory. And so... I woke up early Saturday morning, went into the office for a super day, which at the time was between four to five back-to-back -back interviews. So those are very similar in structure and format as the first round, but slightly longer. So they're usually about an hour, hour and 10 minutes or so. So where in that first round, the case might have been about 30 minutes or so, and then there were some behavioral questions that maybe ran about 10 to 15 minutes. These cases were closer to the order of 45 minutes to 50 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then there was one interview that was a dedicated behavioral accommodation of answering any questions that I still had about the firm and just getting to know me a bit better as well. And so that was the final round. Um, I waited to hear back from the firm for, for some time, and then I was extended an offer to join either the Boston or New York offices. I, I chose Boston as a function of it being the then headquarters and moved up in the September after I graduated. That's great. I really appreciate you giving me the details. I know it's exactly what I asked for, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's really important as someone like me who has gone through a few consulting interviews where they were similar to what you described. Yeah. The ones I did were largely on over video over Zoom calls. So they're reading yeah. me a case, walking through, me through a case and expecting me to take a bunch of notes and then put together a presentation. So yeah. that super day experience, I think, is something that someone looking to go into consulting has to be ready for. Yeah, definitely. And a, a lot of companies do super days differently, and, and they're certainly different now in the era of COVID. Our, our super days are entirely, or at least for the past two years, have been entirely remote. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm excited that they're hopefully going to be back in person later this fall. Time will tell on that one. But yeah, it's the kind of thing where you have to be ready to, to sort of be quote unquote on right. for, for an extended period of time and, and really trying to show off um, your skills and your capabilities and put your best foot forward and, and make the salient case for, for why you think you deserve a position. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I want to touch on something you started talking about kind of going through the process and applying yeah. to the company, which is reaching out to someone who had a similar engineering background. I kind of want to yeah. tie this to, you know, we both studied engineering. We had our core curricula that were similar. Um, most of our classmates were unsure of pursuing those peer engineering jobs because of location. 
because of, yep. um, you know, unsure of the industry. Sometimes the salary or benefits weren't exactly what they were looking for. You had a good sense of yeah. good sense of pursuing those consulting opportunities early through your internships. Can you walk me through maybe your rationale and what you were looking to get out of coming into consulting? Yeah, definitely. So when I actually, when I got to Cooper, my plan originally was to, to wrap up my engineering degrees and then later become an architect. And I almost effectively told myself, okay, I have a, I have a pretty good idea of what it's going to look like if I become uh, a structural engineer or an architect at some point as a function of a lot of the classes I'm taking on my day to day. What I don't necessarily have uh, have a great idea of is what are all the other careers that you don't necessarily hear about as a kid. Like we're not talking about being an, an astronaut or a firefighter. No six-year-old ever says that they want to become a management consultant. And there's this sort of whole realm of careers that you don't necessarily know about until they're put in front of you and you have an opportunity to either interview for them um, or apply for them. And so I largely told myself, hey, let me try and use my summers to figure out is there anything I, I want to do besides either structural engineering or architecture? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is yes, then that's awesome. And I'll hopefully get a job in it and I'll stay in it until I don't find it interesting anymore. Or, or if the answer is no, then I'm just sort of staying in the course and going into structural engineering and, and later architecture. And so I spent some time working at an investment bank. I spent some time at a larger consulting company. And uh, if you know me, you know that I have a, I have a, I would say short attention span for <laughs> really like long format problems and structural engineering has some pretty long, long-term projects. And so I knew that yeah. while, while I enjoyed the aspects of problem solving, I wasn't necessarily thrilled to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to work for the next four years on one structure and then I'll see it get built. And you'll ask me like, oh, so tell me a bit about the building and I won't be able to tell you about the building. I'll be able to tell you about the one let's call it stairwell that I worked on for four years or something like that. Or the bollards and so I was looking for outside of the building. <laughs> exactly. Like I'd, I'd know those bollards so well, but I wouldn't <laughs> actually be able to tell you about sort of the larger structure of the building itself. So I was looking for, for roles that in my mind were basically applied problem solving with really short-term projects. And I, I was introduced to consulting through um, sort of an alumni who was in the field and, and to your point, reached out to them. And uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I really liked the ramp up process where you're expected to sort of gain a bunch of content knowledge pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. I really liked the short term nature of the projects that were high impact. And I sort of fell in love with doing something sort of go, go, go for a couple of weeks and then jumping over to something new. And so after my junior year, I, I knew the content area that I was interested in. It was just a question about finding the right firm that, that sort of I thought fit me. Absolutely. I know from your experience, you said you spent some time at investment bank and at a slightly different style of consulting company. Wasn't always an American company right now. I guess we're based on the East Coast, so we could say we work here. I know you spent some time, extended period of time outside of the country in South America. From there, you took away speaking Spanish as well as what I think we all know is your passion for worldly yeah. knowledge, right? So how do you feel that experience has shaped you or perhaps given you a better sense of, you know, worldly impact coming from different areas, having those experience in different countries or parts of the world? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, I grew up, I grew up at least before moving to the East Coast um, for what was middle school and high school. I grew up in Honduras. Um, and so at least most of my formative memories were growing up in a sort of Central American country and speaking a combination of English and Spanish. 
at the time, I, I thought it was just sort of cool and it was a great experience. Looking back on it, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful of my parents that they sort of said, okay, we're going to up and move from where we were then living in Canada down to, to Tegucigalpan, Honduras. So, I mean, it was an awesome experience. I, I left with friends that I'm still in contact to this day that still live down there or that, or that have now sort of spread around the world. Um, and, and just importantly, too, I left with language skills. And uh, in fact, it was actually something that came up in my interview process that um, I, I, on my resume, said I spoke Spanish. And the firm had the sort of classic question when someone puts a language on their resume of the like, D do, you, do you really speak this language or, or are you putting it there because you took, let's say, one to two years or so of this language um, in, in high, high school? school. Exactly. Right. And so uh, after my interview process, I had like a informal coffee chat with one of the partners at the firm who does a lot of Latin American work. And we went out and we grabbed coffee. And I was lamenting to him about how I struggled to find good pupusas, which is a specific type of sort of Central American food. And he sort of looked at me and he chuckled and he said, oh, if you're talking about not being able to find good pupusas, then I know you speak Spanish. Um, and so that was sort of the stamp of, <laughs> stamp of approval he needed. Um, that was to say that was, it was more than just two years of high school Spanish. And, and in my time at the firm, I'd say probably about half of the work or so that I've done has been in Latin America um, helping Right. Either regional uh, telecom networks expand, improve their offering, helping potentially American or European-based private equity firms look at acquisition targets in the area. So, I mean, largely I can say that certainly growing up in, in that environment gave me language skills that are helping me mm -hmm. well into, into my career so far. That's amazing. I love to hear that. I think I can relate a little bit to it. My parents weren't born in this country. Yeah. They immigrated here over 30 years ago now but the household language is Russian yep, you know exactly a difficult language to learn completely different alphabet you know not the Latin alphabet it's Cyrillic but yeah it's on my resume people are always very intrigued <laughs> exactly it's not yeah the most common language right like if you look at the top languages spoken let's say in the country it's English Spanish Mandarin Chinese yep. and then after that it starts to trail off and then you get yeah. into, into other long European tail. languages yeah exactly so no I, I love how you walk through there and looking for pupusas in boston i'm sure it was a difficult yeah. endeavor yeah I, I will say if, if you're if you're in boston rincon hondureño in chelsea has an makes an excellent pupusa that's that's about as good as i could find in the area <laughs> that's that's great i want to take a step back to perhaps a conversation you had during your interview process um or maybe something that resulted as of your first couple months, your first year or so working in this space, what was the biggest surprise to you or where did you feel like you were given a problem or you listened to a presentation and you had to like take a step back? Um, did you have any kind of experience like that? Yeah, it, it's a great question. I, I think the, the biggest sort of whoa moment for me was very quickly understanding the importance of everyone on the team's work, myself included. And the way that that manifested itself was on sort of my first project. I remember we were interviewing CIOs and CFOs and the analysis that we were doing was sort of going straight up, straight up the chain and was helping investors make hundreds of millions, if not billion dollar decisions. And I remember thinking to myself saying like, whoa, it's pretty impressive that we're put in a position and certainly there are guardrails in place to ensure that we succeed and ensure right. that the work we're doing is of a certain caliber but it's impressive nonetheless to think that 
some of these things are being done and, and sort of entrusted in, into myself and my colleagues. And so it's a pretty good feeling knowing, saying, oh, the, the work I do actually very much matters, dissimilar to the experience of leaving university and saying, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get coffee or I'm going to file memos and set up schedules and things like that, which I think a lot of people have this perception of when they leave university of, I, I might not get quote unquote real work for quite some right. time. And I remember just being sort of thrust right into it and realizing that, whoa, my, my real work is, is very real, very quick. I think that's a really good point you raised and touching to something you mentioned earlier about you immediately start working on cases, right? When you start interviewing, you're yeah. expected to have done the research. And I think that's a great tip for any listeners that are interested in going to the consulting space. Take that time, go through cases. There, I'm sure there's plenty of resources available online. Even some of the, the power players, the big four, they have a lot of public resources in their own case studies that I think are great tools for research. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of I, firms across the board really place an investment on making sure that people know sort of what they're getting into in that interview mm -hmm. process. And so there, there are a lot of casing resources out there put out by firms, put out by um, sort of industry like hawks that try to either get salary information from a bunch of these places and help people prepare and things like that. But but certainly I, I can't really underscore the importance of doing the research and putting in the time, right? If you're walking into these interviews, Absolutely. if you're walking into these interviews, quote unquote, blind and expecting to be able to wing it, then I, I don't necessarily know how much success you're going to have. It's the kind of thing that takes preparation mm -hmm. and, and takes effort, certainly. Right. I think that is a good step, you know, when you start off because it hopefully sets you up for success, right? Yeah. And my favorite thing I like to ask people now who are, you know, a couple of years into their either first job or have gone through a job change or and have redefined their responsibilities. So my question to you is how do you now measure your progress and success, whether it's in a certain project, whether it's relationships you've built with clients or with the, the power players in your company? What's your perspective on that? Yeah, uh, I mean, j jokingly, I've always tried to do four things every day as sort of a, a measure of success. Um, the the first is to to learn something. Um, I, I, I'm the kind of person who always likes to learn, um, be it something that's related to work, be it something that's not related to work. Um, I, I think everyone should always be in learning mode. So the first one is to to learn something new. The second is to help someone learn someone something. I think I, I've always loved teaching. I've always loved mentorship. And I think it's really cool to watch someone learn and grow. And so just trying to be a part of that for someone. Granted, not every day you're teaching someone about like the, the wheel for the first time, right? Sometimes it's, right. oh, you mentioned a fun fact and someone says, oh, they didn't know that. In my mind, that's a win, right? You're, you're helping someone learn yeah. something. So those are the first two. Um, the third, if you know me, is to, to laugh. Like I try to make sure that I laugh every day. And, I, <laughs> and the last one is I, I try to make sure that I make someone laugh every day. Um, so those have always sort of been my four sort of goals for each day. To, to your point about how I measure either progress or, or success. I mean, certainly from a progress perspective, I, I think if I'm in a role where I still think I'm able to learn each day, then I'm excited about that. And I think I'm, I'm sort of, uh, I haven't hit a point where nothing is new and I'm just sort of. Mm -hmm. that, that's the best feeling though, right? Exactly, right? Like if I'm if I'm showing up to work and I know, hey, I, I don't know what I'm going to do today, but I'm, I'm going to learn and I'm going to figure it out. That's such a, that's the best feeling. Um, so that's sort of on one front. And then the other front, as sort of I progress in my career, 
And there are a sort of increasing number of people who are either looking up to me for supervision or management Mm -hmm. or mentorship or advice. It's just trying to help sort of shape their careers through any advice that I can give them or through actual content that I might be able to teach them. So largely, I don't necessarily know that I view sort of uh, success or progress any differently than I always have um, in in terms of those sort of four goals. It's just a question of, of how I'm sort of doing those each day. Yeah, no, I, I love exactly how you kind of break up the four pillars of yeah. what keeps you happy, what keeps you grinding, you know, throughout your day to day. One of those you said is like the fun facts, right? And yeah, one of my favorite memories, probably one of the few favorite memories I'll say I have in Boston <laughs> was when I was flying, flying here from New York for my interviews. I remember messaging you because you had already been here yep. on a year or so. Yeah. And I said, hey, yep. like, I'm ready for my interview. Like, what do you what do you have going on today? And then you said, oh, I'm actually going to trivia with some coworkers. And you let you, you like, yeah, you should come. And yeah. I was like, <laughs> I'll see you there. And yeah, I got to my hotel, dropped off my luggage and we headed to I forget the name of the bar. <laughs> it was it was uh, 20, 21st Amendment up by the uh, up, up by the Boston Commons. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we, I think we won second place with the, you know, we we did indeed win <laughs> second place. It was a ten dollars certificate for the next time any of us were going to Twenty First Amendment. I don't know if anyone ended up using it. I hope it was used. Um, I actually don't. Uh, I I think we had to have. I have to imagine we did. So I'm gonna bring us back here, maybe for our last big question of the day. Do you see yourself staying? Maybe not exactly in consulting, but in the TMT space that you've grown this experience now coming on, you know, five years soon. And if not, whether it's not TMT specific or if it's not consulting, what do you feel you'd like to explore in the future? Yeah, um, I'm hearing you say five years was sort of a, another whoa moment for you. Um, <laughs> um, no, I mean, to that original point that I made around sort of uh, pace and, and what I like to do in terms of short-term projects. I certainly think I'm going to stay in consulting for a bit just because I think consulting provides you with an ability to maintain a very fast pace um, pretty easily, even as you progress. Sort of the the speed of the project stays constant. If anything, uh, sort of how athletes talk about it, the game sort of slows down a bit. Um, I'm hitting a point where I I think it's sort of starting Mm -hmm. to slow down a bit. I, I have a better handle on sort of all the moving pieces of a project, so the pace is more reasonable in that regard. So I really like that aspect of it. Uh, I certainly think that my next challenge, if anything, is going to be geographic rather than content-wise. I'm in the process of Mm -hmm. trying to move to the UK, actually. COVID has thrown a a bit of a wrench into that plan, but uh, I I have a visa in hand, and the the goal is to move over and transfer with our firm to the London office um, in sort of late March, early April. So that's that's the plan there, and uh, I'm excited at least about sort of what the next adventure takes me from a geographic perspective, um, as someone who who loves to travel and explore something new, but (laughs) but I'm also excited just in that um, the content area I've done a lot of work in has been the Americas, and so I'm excited to get that exposure to, to Europe and sort of the general uh, EMEA uh, region in general. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And I think we're all looking forward for you to exactly. get there. So we have someone to visit. Exactly. Give us if folk, if folks visit. aren't coming to visit all the time, I'm going to be bummed out. So please come visit. <laughs> so I think we have a lot of good takeaways from today. It was a great session with you, Toby, today. Again, thank you for giving us your thought process as you work through these early stages of your career. 
happy to hear that you got the visa or <laughs> perhaps waiting for those final documents to go through. Good luck with the move. We on the East Coast will miss you, but we, you know, like I said, we'll be visiting you soon. And we are looking forward to hearing about your next steps. Can't wait. Can't wait to see you in uh, in London for, for a beer, Bob. That's right. For a pint. Exactly. For a, for a pint. Excuse me. Um, and, and thanks so much for having me on. This has been a pleasure to at least talk and reminisce a bit. Yeah, absolutely. I want to take a second to welcome all our new listeners who have made it through the first episode of the NFTP podcast. Please visit our website at nftpcast.com and complete the Google form in our podcast description to stay in touch, submit future topics and industries for us to cover, recover, and discover. Tune in next time for our next episode. Thank you. Hi, this is Tyler, the sound engineer with the Networking for the People podcast. If you like today's episode and the music we played, check us out on Facebook and Instagram and at nftpcast.com. Thanks so much and have a great day.